no, no plunder on TV will ever get a job again. <laughs> Welcome back to the 40-yard switch. Jasper Woodcock alongside Wilbur Kudelukes. It's been quite a week. Uh, the Champions League returned. The Premier League saw 30 goals and three red cards and a record-breaking scoreline. And this morning even, there was the first of uh, two days of round three AFL Cup action. So no rest for the wicked, Wilbur. It's all happening really, isn't it? Um, yeah, lots lots to talk about, I suppose. <laughs> How are we going to condense this down? Uh, yeah, so we're back to talk through everything. Um, and we'll start with the Premier League, because that's of most note. We'll touch on the Champions League and all, all the British teams that were in the various Europe, European competitions in due course. But first and foremost, kicking things off, the North London derby. Uh, Spurs, probably the happier with... Well, not probably, definitely the happier with how things transpired in that game. Yeah, um, obviously obviously a very good game. Um, lot, seemingly lots of mistakes in it, though, as well, mm. um, despite, you know, thinking it well, you know, two teams that are um, right up there in, in terms of the Premier League this season. Um, what, what did you make of Arsenal's performance? Were, were they up to it? No, nah, they... we, we, we were off it. We were good for the first 30 minutes and then... We yeah we weren't we weren't good for the rest of the game. Um, obviously, we were good for the first thirty minutes, and then Spurs had their moments in the last uh, ten minutes of the half, yeah. fifteen minutes of the half. Uh, but then we lost complete control of the game when Declan Rice had to get subbed off for uh, his injury, his minor back injury at half time. Um, is that then, is that an ongoing thing? No, nah, first I've heard of first, it, which true. is interesting. Yeah, uh, and obviously the error from Jorginho for the second goal is what everyone's talking about. But it's more than that. It's more Jorginho isn't the type of player that can facilitate. You know that. You know how Arsenal get where like, and this was mentioned on the Athletic podcast, I think, a little bit as well. You know how Arsenal have those like sustained periods where they're just like dominating in like just wave after wave after wave of attack on yeah. their opponent's goals when they're playing at home in the last 15 minutes of games mm. Declan Rice Thomas Party are midfielders that can sustain that yeah they're keep playing midfielders that can sustain that Jorginho isn't so True. we just didn't have that grasp of the, on the game in those final minutes and we also looked tired um, with, with, the, with the injuries that we've had recently Martinelli Trossard Party now Rice um, Timber Timber as well, although to a lesser extent impacting the squad currently. Yeah. But yeah, we just looked it looked a little leggy, looked a little like like the depth wasn't quite there that we would usually have, you know, instead of Martinelli or Trossard on for one of those two. Um uh Inkedia should have come off uh, at any point, but there was no one to really come on for him and that's although I honestly think we probably sh- could have brought on Emil Smith Rowe earlier and chucked Havertz up top. Yeah. Um or put Emil Smith Rowe out, out, out. I get we had well, we had to take Jesus off because he's coming back from injury. He's not really ready to play a full ninety minutes yet. Yeah, I think net, I think he almost got there. So next game we might see that. Um, but yeah, what what do you what do you think? Like like maybe aside from injuries, 
Like what 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 what's the other big reason do you think if there is one why Arsenal haven't started the th- season as well as they did last season? I think it's more it's 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 not can't really be boiled down to one thing. I think it's two or three things that are contributing. First and foremost, like as good as Declan Rice has been, as he learns to play the style that we play, he he there's elements of his game that he isn't as comfortable with that we did a lot through Thomas Party last last year. Yeah. Uh, and that's been highlighted in certain um, videos that you and I have watched. How he drifts out to the left and the right of the midfield to, to receive the ball rather than re- receiving it on the half turn or with his back in to the goal in the, the, in the middle of the park. Yeah. Um, and that's by no means to say that this is down to Declan Rice. It's Declan Rice's fault. That but it does definitely have an impact because usually you have Thomas Party and Zinchenko in there that can create a little box midfield. Right now it's sort of just Zinchenko and it's like the box isn't really there. Hmm. Uh, and then also you've got players adjusting to the new system um, that are trying to fill a massive hole that was left by Granit Xhaka, which people like me and you kind of kind of re- kind of realise. But I think a lot of Arsenal fans, you know, I say in parentheses like casual fans, yeah, uh, uh, perhaps don't really because of all the scrutiny and the stuff that Shaka got for years don't realise how important he was. Last but, season, yeah. 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 But Vieira and Havertz haven't quite been able to have that kind of impact yet in that left eight role. Mm. And then lastly, um, so that those two reasons why it's not really clicking for us. And then lastly, I think it's uh, it's just... We were like... We overachieved last year. Yeah. So I think we're just regressing to the mean a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I I reckon that's a I reckon that's a big one. Yeah. Like that also coming into last year you kind of float under the radar. Um and even when you were winning every game, the pressure didn't kind of come onto Arsenal until later in the season because people I suppose in a sense were just oh it's a blip sort of thing. Yeah, everyone everyone was waiting for us to fall off. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like that only came later in the season. Like so th- I think earlier in the season and le- less of like waiting for you to fall off. And more of just like not taking it seriously sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Now they've set those expectations for themselves and have had a, f- a pretty fucking good start to the season. Yeah, it's weird. By most measures. Because we're undefeated and we only have one less point than we had at the same point last season. Yeah. But it's just... The, not the, the flow. The, the, the play style isn't really there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I, I don't think it's, it's reason to panic by any means uh, I think uh, Trossard and Rice are going to be back for the Bournemouth game at the weekend I don't think there's any sort of panic and then uh, after the international break it's rumoured that, uh, that Martinelli and Party will be back so I don't think there's any cause for panic yeah obviously we've got the City game in two weeks so that's big um, and not having Martinelli for that game will be will be big but I do think Trossard will step up and that game will really be able, we'll be able to see how good Declan Rice is in this team yeah I think Trostad was definitely a big loss for mm. the because it was like London the day game. before the game he injured himself in training yeah and then wasn't he even like he was testing himself in the warm up and then it didn't yeah. work out yeah. yeah it was yeah. a late scratch yeah so yeah I think uh, but yeah so we weren't at our best but credit to Spurs they were very clinical they took the chances mm. when they came albeit for one really good David Reyes save didn't had he didn't actually have to do that much because they didn't have that many chances but the chances they had most of them they took yeah uh the first one well worked we didn't David Reyes as 
didn't cover himself in glory with like tipping that sort of cross come shot back yeah, into play. Yeah, I was mention that one, yeah. Uh, but we still should have cleared our lines better after that. And then the second one, obviously, is a gift. So, but then our goals were our own goal and a penalty. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was an exciting, but like you said, not a perfect game by both teams. But considering the fact that we had the wood over Spurs home and away last season and how bad that season was, they'll be thrilled with that result. Yeah, I think, yeah, they'll be thrilled. I mean, we, we've spoken about it so far this season. They're, they're going to be thrilled because going going into... Well, the end of last season and the appointment of Ange Postacoglu, yeah, a, a lot of... I mean, a lot of fans in Australia were excited, but a lot of fans in, in North London were, were not convinced um, with the appointment of Ange and definitely not the performances towards the end of last season. So they're, they're doing very well. And I think, yeah, James Madison is just... A ridiculously good signing for 40 yeah, million. Yeah, and it does make me wonder why we didn't look for someone like that. Um, instead, we went for Havertz. I'm not saying... I do think the Havertz will come good eventually. Hmm. But when you look at the impact that Madison's having and the fact that we were already interested in him, we didn't. We, we chose we chose Odegaard over him when back when Leicester were uh, listing him as a 70 million pound player. The only thing that I do wonder is, do we think did we think his profile was a little bit too attacking for a midfield three? That's what came into my mind just But then, then but we're yeah. playing with Vieira or Havertz next yeah. to Odegaard and Rice. So it's the same sort of player profile. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, one thing I am interested to see, last thing I'll say about Spurs before we move on, is they, like, as good as they have been sticking to Andrew's plan of playing out from the back, and it's very brave, they looked really shaky first 30 minutes. If a better team or a more clinical team that pressed as well as we did would have put would have put the game almost to bed after thirty minutes. We could have we could and probably should have been three 0 up. Yeah. So I do wonder, and there's a game that we'll touch on uh, the Liverpool Spurs game uh, that's this week. We'll touch on that later. How they'll go against a team that who uh, against a team in Liverpool with a coach who uh, organizes a press better than virtually anyone. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, interesting. Enough about the Gunners, and let's talk some toffees. Yeah, finally. I mean, yeah, we, we've spoken about it. There's, there's, there's been good signs in most of the games whereby we create a lot of chances, uh, miss uh, a lot of big chances that you know are sort of marked as that one on XG, mm. um, and then just kind of like lose the game late, or or in the case of the Sheffield match more recently, draw the game. Um, but yeah, it, it it just worked, and like. I think it was the same story again. Like e- even though we we did get three goals, I reckon we could have had more earlier in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, basically, it's good science. It's it, it's a good result, but yeah, I think by no means are we sort of um, no. It's just it's just it's just a welcome reprieve from the everything that's been going on at the club. Yeah, because like yeah. you got the distractions off the field, whether it be finances or ownership. You've got the play on the field uh, that has been promising, albeit except for the Arsenal and Villa games, but without sort of the fruits of the labour, like massively underperforming your XG. Yeah. Um, so then it's, it, was, it was just nice to see Everton put in again another good performance and finally get some just desserts for it. Yeah. I think it, it has been a very simple equation over the last few seasons. When DCL is in the side, we can score goals and we usually get some decent results. I thought Beto was very good as well, though. His knockdown play was really good. Yeah, I, I, I still think that's a great signing, but I still think DCL is 
is number one, but it's good to have someone mm. there who who can deputize for him, even if it's not, you know, a, a one for one. Um, yeah, he, he's still good to have on the side. Yeah. And it's good because I don't think you'll ever start a game like this, but I do think it's good to have the option to go two up top with those two later in games. Mm, yeah. I, don't, I think the form, the, like the way Dash wants to play, is a lone striker and wide men, yeah. which works. Uh, but it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see if you need to like chase a game or um, or like chase a win when you're when you're level with a team uh, that you can chuck one of them on. Yeah, I think yeah, Decore obviously continuing. To be very good under Dyche. Did you see Dwight what he McNeil. Did you see the quote he said? He said, I'm playing the best football of my career under this manager. Yeah. About Dyche. That That's nice, cool. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he's obviously been very good since Dyche yeah, came, came along. Uh, and yeah, Dwight McNeil, who I think has been out of the side recently. He's injured to start the season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he, he looked lively, didn't score, but yeah, had a few chances. So yeah, and I think the next so the next game is Luton Town. Yeah, what's what's after Bournemouth and then the international break and then the Merseyside derby. Okay, true. So yeah, I think you were saying before four points. I think if we can get four points, that that'd be that'd be very good. I mean, there's a chance you take six, mm. and there's also a chance you take none. But I think my my prediction would be you take four. Mm. And yeah. I think that's good. You take it seems reasonable it, because yeah. Like, I can see us going and struggling against Luton for some reason next week. Like, I don't know why, but just, like, mm. recent memory. But, um... I, 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 yeah, maybe. I, I personally don't really see it. I think Luton have done nothing to really impress me so far. Yeah. Um, like, like yeah. But, yeah, I, I can see how it could be a very evident thing to struggle against a team like that. Yeah. But, yeah, th- there's good signs. And, you know, obviously with the, with the takeover, um last week that that's a reprieve as well so we'll see how it play will pans out but it's, yeah. it's it's a good little um thing and like you said a, a bit of reprieve mm. yeah all right uh quickly we'll touch on this uh before we cause, uh move on to uh, other things but it's it has to be worth noting uh newcastle eight sheffield united nil um it's Newcastle's biggest ever away win. It ties their biggest ever win in the Premier League era. Uh, there's not really much else to say. Is Newcastle were, were on it and Sheffield were miles off it, really. Like, yeah. like defensively, were just all over the place. Mm. Like Newcastle played well, but they didn't have to play overly well against the, the defending for some of those goals. Yeah. Yeah, it just seems to be a thing of when Newcastle will get going... Um, that like they they can be very high scoring, but yeah, they they were clinical at the start, and then Sheffield threw the towel in a little bit. Yeah, and that's why the the scoreline blew out. And it's just interesting because Sheffield, are, without getting any uh points from it, have looked good in recent weeks against two top sides, Tottenham and Manchester City. Mm, yeah, losing the, the both those games narrowly two one, and so you're like, oh okay, and played well against Everton. Who, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a bit there's a bit about them. Yeah, but then to do that like. Like that's just that's gonna that's gotta just be like demoralizing, like super. De- like I know you just say brush it off and go again, like it's one of those games, but holding eight is a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Like, I, I still think about when Arsenal held eight against United, like that. Yeah. Still think about that to this day. Mm. It's never. It's a horrible feeling. 
Yeah, I think I was going for Wigan when they uh, when they lost nine. I think it was nine three or something to Tottenham. Do you oh, jeez, yeah. Oh, I don't remember the game, but I remember there was a lot of wild scorelines in the two thousands. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just a sort of like the, the harsh reality of the Premier League. Like, yeah, you could you can be good some weeks, but you have to be up to it every single week. Yeah, Otherwise, there's literally not, there's, there's no apart. days off against any team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, well done Newcastle. Uh, after how sort of, like obviously they've had the toughest, toughest, toughest opening five games of the season by a, a massive stretch. Mm. Villa, City, Liverpool, Brighton, Newcastle, uh, Brentford, like incredible. Yeah, but they haven't played amazingly well in some of those games, and then looked pretty abject away at the San Siro against uh, AC Milan. Obviously, tough place to go first game in Europe. Yeah. So they needed something to click for them as they move on. And yeah, it did. So good on them. Um, yeah. Yeah. Eight different goal scorers is a really good sign. Uh, not relying on any one player. Yeah. Good signs. And yeah, a- Anthony Gordon, obviously looking very good. Yeah. He's, um, he's impressed past few, past few games. Obviously yeah. looked a bit shit against Milan, but then they all did. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird with him because he's he's very up and down. I think probably it's just symptomatic of being a form player, and he's he's in form right now. Yeah, he's looked dangerous. Big time. All right. Um, all so moving on, we mentioned we just mentioned Luton and Sheffield before, uh, and they are two of the three newly promoted teams, and all of them are somewhat struggling this season to begin. Uh, and usually there is a team every season that goes up and you know puts the cat amongst the pigeons a little bit in, in the teams that are higher up in the league mm. has a couple of really good results on the way to a mid-table finish you think of Fulham last year 10th you think of Brentford the year before 13th you think of Leeds the year before that 9th Sheffield with Chris Wilder Sheffield with Chris Wilder 8th the season before yeah. that so but no no team is showing like they're going to do that this season mm. yeah I mean yeah we we thought it might be uh, Burnley, obviously. I think I did. You didn't. You weren't convinced. Yeah. I thought it was going to be Burnley. You said Burnley might be another Norwich, and it's looking that way so far. Yeah. And yeah, and I think my reasoning was, you know, they they play a expansive style. Yeah, they play expansive style. They play like a nice brand of football, um, but and it just goes to show how much of a step up um, the the Premier League is from the champion from the champion. Uh, from the championship, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's 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 looking rough for them all right now. It's it's interesting though because I suppose Fulham did something similar the year before. They played like a decent brand of football, had a similar points tally, had like really high scorers in Mitrovic. They had better squad though. Yeah, like you look at Fulham squad last year. Obviously, it starts with Mitrovic. They got Leno in goal. They had um, Tim Ream, who I know I think he might have come up from the promotion, but he is a very good centre back. They had they signed um, William, they signed Pereira from Manchester United, like lots of good quality pieces from teams higher above them. Yeah. Um, and then you look at Burnley squad, Zeki Amduni up top, like he's all right, but that's a Championship player. Sander Berger again from is a sideways move from Sheffield. Yeah. Their entire backline is the same it was in the championship, and then their keeper James Trafford obviously impressed really heaps at the under twenty one Euros and is a 
great prospect for Manchester City, but what has he really done in the Premier League? Nothing. Hmm. So it, it, there wasn't a lot of elevation in their squad of players from, you know, top level or like not top level from like a Premier League, a decent Premier League team looking for more game time, yeah, or decent transfers from other big leagues around Europe. It was just sort of mostly the same guys. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I suppose in that comparison with Fulham and um, and Burnley is Fulham had recent history of like a, a bit of a yo-yo when they had um, the Scott West Parker. Ham. Yeah, Scott Parker at, at the helm. Um, and I suppose like on the other side of that, Burnley have recent history of staying in the Premier League for a very long time and not really investing that much and being in a very good position with a good manager in, in Sean Dyche. So, yeah, it's interesting. Um, like, maybe Fulham have experience of sort of what it takes. And they also realised that, like, it wasn't sustainable to just try and do it with the championship squad like Scott Parker tried to do. Yeah, yeah. So then when Marco Silva brought him back up, he was like, no, 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 no. I've been in the Premier League before with Everton and with Hull. I need some yeah. funding to keep this team up. And they did. Yeah. And you see now see them, like, same squad this season, minus Mitrovic, and plus Raul Jimenez, who almost got... like It wasn't his fault, but it was almost relegated with Wolves, Wolves last season, and now they're struggling. Mm. So I think it just shows that how much of a premium good quality strikers are. Like, you look at the emergence of Taiwo Awonyi for Nottingham Forest, and yeah. how good he's playing, and Nottingham Forest seemed fine. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, Forest is another interesting and one, because they, they've gone the full sort of like yeah. trying to bring in as much quality as possible, and... Haven't really hit all the time, but have now hit in a few with Alanga. Yeah. Did it was did they sign a one year? Yeah. Oh, no, no, or did he, he come up with them? I think they that he came up with them. Yeah, yeah. But like he he was sort of in and out of the team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then you look at in terms of strikers, Everton as well. Mm. DCL when he's fit, they're nowhere near a relegation team. Uh, also had, went out went out inside Beto finally as a backup. Um, other teams that were around, you know, Bournemouth got Solanke. He came up from the championship, but has Premier League experience and pedigree. Like yeah. you need these, and then so you look at the the, the like Luton have Carlton Morris, who is who's decent. I think he'll score plenty of goals this season. But then the rest of their squad is the worst in the Premier League. Burnley, Zeki Amdouni, and Lyle Foster. That's that doesn't scream out that impressive to me. And then Sheffield United, Ollie McBurney, and. Rian Brewster. I yeah. Do they have anyone else up top? Like, who who weren't up for it last? I mean, they were in the squad when yeah. Sheffield got so relegated last time. You like if 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 you're gonna succeed in the Premier League, you need to because I do think the Championship defenders can do enough of a job to hmm. keep out some teams, but you need a goal scorer, someone that's going to bag your goals. Yeah, yeah. To take the pressure off those, yeah. Because you look at you look at look at look at Leeds look so look at the, t- the last three teams to come up and succeed obviously Fulham Mitrovic Brentford Ivan Tony Leeds Patrick Bamford mm. yeah yeah and Rafinha yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, quite a few players but yeah. <laughs> yeah like goal scorers and I know yeah Sheffield didn't really have that with Chris Wilder but I feel like they are definitely an anomaly because one amazing season the next season relegated with roughly the same squad mm. yeah I think that. The, the other one is the pedigree of the manager as well. Like, I mean, obviously, obviously. Yeah. Like Vincent Company, I think he's done a very good job, but he's still got a lot to learn. Yeah. And he probably, he's doing a lot of learning right now. Um, 
not yeah not saying that like he he should have been moved on or anything like that um but yeah like whereas if you look at yeah marco silva marco bielsa um who was the other thomas frank yeah thomas frank yeah Yeah. quality Mm. uh all right moving on from uh, the rele- the not relegated <laughs> newly promoted teams that uh, could be facing relegation if their things don't uh, uptick as they stand in form uh, last thing we'll touch on the Premier League before we move on to the European football is uh, the continued sort of confusion around what constitutes a handball in the box uh, two more penalties given for handball this weekend uh, and one that wasn't and one that, and a handball that wasn't given in the lead up to Newcastle's first goal um, from Anthony Gordon um, and there's been countless handballs th- already this season that either have or haven't been called, which has caused outrage for Christian Romero's against Man United. Uh, mm-hmm. There was another Wolves one that uh, earlier in the season. Um, but it's just... They, they, they seem to change the laws slightly or the rules slightly about how it's implemented every off-season, and yet we're left with the same amount of grey area yeah. Every time, mm-hmm. like they bring in all these stipulations, close proximity, the ball does the ball deflect off of another body part onto the hand, arms in unnatural or natural position, deliberate not deliberate, is the ball is this is is it a shot on target or not? Like, and yet there is no consistency with how it's implied, uh, applied. Yeah, I think. Um... Bloody Resic. Yeah, Resic's <laughs> calling my phone. You guys can't hear that, but. I think it's 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 a very difficult one because like I suppose you can write as many rules as you want, but like the way a football game a football game plays out, I feel like you know it's just hard to sort of um, con- control for every situation. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, you've got video assistant ref. It's hard to see things in in real time, and then it kind of you kind of lose the kind of necessary contact when you look at it slowed down. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the VAR is a person, you know, who's just trying to implement rules that are like have grey area, like by the nature of the game. So, yeah, I feel like it's just always going to happen. Like, do you see a situation where they could? No, I don't. Yeah. And I think it was an interesting quote from Antipostokoglu after the game. Like initially, he goes, "Oh, I don't know what handball is." Someone explained it to me. I think that's just like typical manager speak. But then he does say, "You just hope these sort of things." even out over the course of the season. And yeah, I think exactly. that's generally how what you have to hope for regard like at the moment because th- like, there's no apparent sign about how to fix this. Yeah. Like there like you could say just stick hard and fast to rules but then contextually yeah, I don't know. Like yeah. And then like you've got certain rules that override other rules like like but then like all the different stipulations do they are they all the same value or does one overrule another because with the Wolves one hits so the ball is close proximity and hits the ball and ricochets up into the hand but his hand is in an unnatural position. So does, so does unnatural position therefore negate other stipulations like there's just no clarification on it. Yeah, I, t- to be honest, I didn't see that one. Basically, so it so- sounds like it's the correct call. The guy, the guy, the, the guy who kicks it is from me to the wall, close. Yeah, and he go- and he goes up like, two like, l- like this. Um, for those listening, I've got my hands in the air to sort of cross it, and his arms are like that because he's sort of he, the, his hands did not need to be in that position, but yeah. for some whatever reason, he's lunging forward. His hands are like that. Ball hits, ball gets crossed, hits him in the leg, bounces up into his hand. Wouldn't have hit his hand otherwise, mm. and it's given us. 
penalty in handball. Yeah. And VAR, yeah. That, see, that sounds right. The, and the Romero one sounds right. And then the Madison one for me is wrong. Like, yeah, I, I think it just it's just about... Um, the Madison one, the Anthony Gordon one. The Anthony Gordon yeah. one, yeah, yeah. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. Um, yeah, if, if the ball hits your arm and it changes where the ball was going, then it, sh- it, it that's a handball yeah. for me. But then... Yeah, actually, I, I'm not going to say it with them because I'll be here for ages. But you just sort of think about those ones where, like, you know, they go out for a header and their back's turned. Remember that really controversial one against Tottenham a few years ago where he, like, goes up, he can't even see the ball and he's like like that and the ball hits and the ball gets headed from behind him and hits him in the arm from, like, two feet away. Yeah. But I think that's the thing because I, I reckon... That, well, so you're saying you should just be, like, tough luck. Yeah, yeah, if, tough if, luck is your, that, hand, you know, that, yeah, your that, hand. That way it's, like... Might be might be really unlucky, but if if it's enforced as just anything that hits your hand is handball, mm. then it might be alright. Yeah, I kind of do think that is, but like like that is objectively a potential solution. Because but then there'll then be uproar, makes, but there but there will be initial uproar from that if they try to do that. Then it makes the use of VAR more useful. Yeah, because then it's black and white. Like, Did it hit him? In like the hand I suppose, or not? like with, with what they think they've got with with offside. Yeah. Did the ball hit the arm and change the course? Like the direct, no. So now I'm adding in something that's subjective. But. Yeah. Anyway, we'll move on. We'll move <laughs> yeah. on. Um, uh, We're not going to fix it. Here. G- give us your thoughts on the handball rule if you uh, would like to. Uh, all right. Quick whiz round Europe. Uh, Matt, uh, so we'll talk about all the English teams because we don't have all day and we're not going to sit here and talk about every single game. Um, Man United, as we predicted they would, got lost to Bayern, but, but not uh, by such a massive scoreline. 4 3, the final score. Um, apparently the game wasn't that close. Uh, I didn't. I, admittedly, I only watched the extended highlights because I was too busy watching Arsenal play. Um, but yeah, look, positives that they scored three goals. Negatives that they got opened up defensively. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, obviously, like the big ta- the, uh, talking point from it is the the Onana mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the way the game plays out from there, like the mistake does sort of become a little bit insignificant. Like, yeah, Bayern, Bayern were a lot better and probably were always going to win. Um, yeah, regardless. Like, the only thing, only other take I had on the game was Jamal Musiala is so good. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Could play for England. I know. Missed the trick there. Mm. Anyway. Uh, next, Arsenal uh, breezed past PSV. That was really, really fun watching that. Mm. Um, we were so good, um, which was disappointing to see that we were not so good against Tottenham. But yeah, look, PSV like, like made it easy for us to look good with their very sort of gung-ho style of play, high line, uh, and we just feasted on it. But then again, everyone just played really well too. Like, like, like even like Havertz by far had his best game in the middle of the park. Um, yeah. Trossard was amazing. Jesus down the middle finally was really good. Uh, Saliba has is yet to have a bad game this season. Um, guy's an absolute monster. So yeah, nothing really much else to say. I just want to touch on the fact that saying we're really good. Yeah, welcome back to Europe. Yeah, I think well, a welcome few back to the th- Champions League. I think a few things from that is like Tr- Trossard has turned out to be a, a, a ridiculous signing. Yeah, like, realistically, what like, a that is crazy. Um, and the other one is yeah. So this is the start of Raya starting. Yeah. No, Raya started Raya against Everton was the start of Raya. Oh, did they? Okay. Yeah, yeah. But had, I suppose he had a, next to nothing to do against Everton though. A bit of a surprise, um, given I suppose Ramsay's role in 
in helping Arsenal get yeah, back and into that, the Champions and that League. Still does leave a bad taste in my mouth because while I do think Raya was a better keeper than Ram, had a better season than Ramsdale last year, and he might in my ranking of Premier League keepers probably Raya probably does edge Ramsdale slightly by like maybe a place or two. It's not that drastic that it was justifiable to drop him for that PSV game. Yeah. Like, you, you can have the plan to bring Raya in at any point in the season. That PSV game did not need David Raya to play. Yeah. We would have won that game with or without him, and Ramsdale deserved to start that game. Yeah. And I really hope Ramsdale gets a game in the Champions League group stage this like hopefully it's we've already qualified or something but he he does he deserves to play at least once in the champions league this yeah season. before i ask you like i'll just i'll just say like it's i, I feel like it's just so hard like because maybe this works this two keeper thing we're seeing brighton kind but, of do it but the amount of head yeah but the amount of headlines it creates oh yeah do you, and the effect because players will will listen to the headlines as well like, you know, first of all, you know, Ramsdale misses out on the first Champions League game that Arsenal play after getting him there. Second, I just remember that point in the in the North London derby where, yeah, Raya kind of flaps at it and it doesn't really deal with it. And that leads to a goal. And then, you know, like, I feel like those mistakes are going to be scrutinized so much to more. To the nth beca- degree, yeah. Because there's another yeah. keeper that... Do, do you think it's a good idea to have two keepers? Um, I do think Ramsdale needed someone to sort of light the fire under him a bit because he got a little bit complacent towards the end of last season. You saw with errors playing out from the back and a couple of saves he should have made that he didn't, most notably the error that put us behind against Southampton. So I do think he needed something. But I don't think so far this season that he had played had any moments that were justifiable in him dropping being dropped yeah and I think like and I think when Leno was dropped he hadn't really put a massive foot wrong but there'd just been like moments where he looked really nervy on the ball yeah. and I was like oh, okay and then Ramsdale came in and was like oh wow he's so much better uh, and but I just don't think that there's been that season that this season with, with Arsenal mm. like Ramsdale has been fine good even yeah, but so I don't know if it can or it can't work. Um, and like I don't, I don't agree with Arteta's idea of subbing keepers mid game. There's absolutely no basis for that. Mm. Uh, but whether or not two keepers can work, I mean, we'll see how it goes for Brighton. Brighton are test running it right now. Mm. Like Jason Steele kept the last three games, then Barbara Bruden comes in against um, Bournemouth on the weekend. So. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I just think, yeah, I just think there's a reason it hasn't, it, that that sort of stuff has never happened before. And it's symptomatic of the kind of like, sometimes over tinkering that um, managers, like the kind of new wave of managers. I don't, probably what I mean by new wave is Pep Guardiola and Mikel. I <laughs> <laughs> um, wouldn't see Sean Dice doing that, I'll tell you what. Um, but yeah, I think it's symptomatic of that and just like, just going a little bit too far. Yeah with with trying to revolutionize things but i suppose sometimes it works but it also like it's on the other hand having a top keeper having two top keepers means that if god forbid one of them gets injured we're not fucked yeah 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 yeah, for sure but then it's just like they're gonna want to play so yeah i'm obviously we're not gonna go on about it forever but like no no, no, it's not your fault (laughs) um uh but yeah at the end of the day like the my i'm leaning no but 
it remains to be seen to the answer to, is it a good idea um, yeah true but we'll see um, and I've heard reports that Ramsdale was incredibly uh, unhappy to be dropped for the Champions League game and rightly so uh, so yeah feel bad for the guy anyway um, City against uh, Red Star Belgrade conceded first but typically came back and won that one uh, I'm not going to say anything more on that they looked good uh, shocker Newcastle, we've already said, City looked good. Um, struggled against Milan, but managed to hold out. That was just a very scrappy game in general. I mean, Milan dominated. We watched most of that game, mm. but weren't the most clinical. You got Rafael Leal dribbling 17 people and then trying to back heel, um, which when he should have just shot normally. Um, so yeah, I mean, first first game back in Europe in 20 years and they got a point. Good on them. Uh, they won't get out of that group, Newcastle. I'm calling it right now. Um but yeah, it, it is a pretty crazy result for Newcastle. Yeah, no, massive. Yeah, yeah. massive. Yeah. Uh, and then on to the Europa League. Uh, Liverpool walked past uh, Lask, although did concede first, but with a second string team, um, absolutely dominated in the second half. Mo Salah, just when he came on, just looked a cut above. Ryan Gravenberg, also very impressive debut. I'm very excited to see how he plays this season. Mm. Uh, then Brighton lost to AEK Athens, which is very interesting. Seem to have there seems to be the common theme of the teams that Brighton struggle against so far this season, or the two teams they've lost against uh, are the two teams that just sat real deep in a really deep low block, um, and Brighton can't really break them down. Like you saw once in the dying stages of the game when Athens were up three two, Brighton just couldn't. They were just taking like would work it around and around and around and around, and then just take a pot shot from. Just outside the box, mm. four or five times. So it'll be interesting to see how Dzeby tries to work through that. Yeah, it's actually something that I heard on the the Athletic podcast in the wake of the the United Brighton game about how you know that could be something that does stump them a little bit. Um, just just going into games where they should win mm. and they're the better team and have a lot of the ball and the other teams, it's in a low block. But yeah, I think De Zerbi is good enough to figure it out. It also has to be said De Zerbi made nine changes for that Europa League game. Right. So okay. he said in the post-match interview after they beat Bournemouth this on the weekend just past, he's like, I need to, I'm still learning, which I, I find it interesting because he's already managed in the Champions League. Or maybe he didn't because Shakhtar haven't been in the Champions League for a year or two. Anyway, um, but he's like, I'm still learning. He's like, maybe next time I won't make nine changes for a Europa League tie. Yeah. And I'm like, it's probably fair enough. Yeah. Um, especially for Brighton, like, play your stronger squad in the Europa League. Like, you've never been in Europe before. Like, Yeah, I, I was yeah surprised that that's their first ever get. Like, because often these English teams, you know, have some weird history where they played in Europe. Yeah, but I think, ago. honestly, Brighton have been, like, lower league for a lot for, of time. Yeah. This is, the, this is the best they've ever done in the league. Yeah. And, yeah, is it Jao Pedro with two? Two goals from the spot. Yes. Uh, and then Villa lost to Legia Warsaw. So Legia Warsaw, obviously a massive team in Poland, but perennially not that impressed. I have pl- played plenty of Champions League over the years uh, in recent times, but perennially not that impressive. But yeah, just sucker punched Villa a bit. Mm. Um, I do think Villa will make a decent run in the in the Conference League. Maybe just a bit of a wake-up call for them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one they would have been expecting to win it is a bit of a shock. But yeah. Yeah. All right, and finally, we've got to predictions for... Unless you can think of anything I've forgotten. No? Nah, nah, no. I feel really. like I'm forgetting something, but honestly, I don't care. Um, <laughs> it's my show or our show. We'll do what we want. Um, all right, two big games this weekend. We have got 
Tottenham versus Liverpool. And then we've got Aston Villa at home to Brighton. We'll kick it off with Aston Villa versus Brighton. Be the biggest game for last. Um, at Villa Park? Yeah, Villa Park. Interesting game, this one. Be, I think it'll be lots of goals. Both teams don't really defend that well. And both teams are very forward-thinking. Mm. Yeah, I think I think Brighton win. Me too. I think, I think Brighton are just a better side than Villa. Um, definitely, definitely the chance for lots of goals. Um, obviously, Ollie Watkins getting off the mark for the season last week against Chelsea. Mm. Score? Wait, yeah, I'm gonna go three two. Three two. Lots of goals. I reckon. Bright. I reckon there'll be lots of goals, but Brighton will be like the scoreline will will flatten Brighton. Not flatter, but the the, the scoreline will show it a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, so Brighton's dominant. I'm going to go for 4-1. Four, 4-1. One. Four, one. Yeah, yeah, I okay. don't like Villa. <laughs> Fair enough. I think that's playing into it. A bit of personal bias, shall we? <laughs> yeah. um, all right. And, oh, just has to be, I have to note, sorry, I have to give credit where it's due. Uh, Wooba, for our predictions for last week's, ep- last week's episode for the weekend that just went past, I think we did three games. North London Derby, um... Liverpool West Ham and what was the other game? Let me have a look. Or was that it? Was it just those two? No, I think we did three. North London Derby, Villa, Villa. Oh no, uh, Liverpool West Ham and did we did Chelsea Aston Villa? Yeah, yeah. Well, out of those three, um, Liverpool uh, Wilbur is two correct results and no three correct results and two correct score lines. True. So, well done you. Does that that means we're probably even now? I guess. It means you're ahead of me. I'm pretty sure okay. I was only three points ahead of you. Hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I don't know. I think I was. I didn't get the North London Derby. Uh, Derby. <laughs> I didn't get that scoreline or result. I didn't. I got the Liverpool result, but not scoreline. And I said Chelsea has to be a draw. So yeah, no, I could be well behind you by now. Anyway, um, Tottenham Liverpool. I think even though this is at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, I think this is the game that is a little bit of a wake-up call for Tottenham. Mm. I think Liverpool will press them like they haven't... will press them similarly to how we press them, but they'll be more clinical if they win the ball high up. Yeah. Someone like Mo Salah, I think, will terrorise that back line a little bit. Mm. It looked, definitely looks shaky at times against us. Yeah. Um, Liverpool, obviously, not the strongest back line, but um, so, you know, susceptible to scoring, conceding themselves. But I do think they'll they'll put a, put a few past Spurs. Yeah. How do you think Spurs, like, set up? Are they going to be... No, they'll, they'll play... Like, they, just play one, they, play, they play one way. I heard a commentator say in the North London Derby, they're, if plan, plan, plan Ange's plan B... Uh, sorry, Ange's plan B is just do plan A better. Yeah, okay. So... True. Yeah, I, I I agree. I reckon it's going to be yeah difficult for them to play at the back, and even if they do get further up the field, the sort of counter press from Liverpool will hurt them. Darwin Nunez is actually scoring some goals this yeah. season. Mo Salah has become not only a great goal scorer but a really good facilitator as well. Yeah, and then off the bench, if they start, what is it? Um, Salah, uh, Nunez. Nunez, and Jota, and Diaz. Diaz, yeah, and they've got Gakpo, Jota. Yeah, off the bench, which is just crazy firepower options off the bench. 
Yeah, and McAllister obviously looking very good for that assist last week. Chobzlai going from strength to strength. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think Tottenham will score as well. Yeah, me too. I'm uh, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go a bit bold here. I'm gonna say and like stick to my. This is a bit of a wake up call for Tottenham. I'm gonna say they lose three one. Three one. Okay, I'll go. I'll go two one. Two, two one. one. Just less less prolific. Interesting. Um, all right. That's this. For, that's up. That's this. That's us for another week. We're about to go off and uh, play a football game, uh, our last preseason game before our season begins, which is really exciting. So we're going to get ready for that. As always, if you've liked what you heard and you're still listening, uh, rate us on Spotify. Give us a nice big fat five star rating. Follow us on Instagram, 40yardswitch.pod. Follow us on Twitter, 40yardswitchpod, all one word. And we'll see you next week.